Okay, guys, cheers and welcome everybody to season two of Trying on the Rocks. Woo! Cheers. 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 Oh. <laughs> it never gets easier. No, no, no. Hello, Darkness, my old friend. Okay, guys, we are here with a very cool episode of the podcast. I am Logan from Talkalicious, from Third Son, and uh, a new whiskey project on the works. I'm joined on my right by Kelvin. I'm Kelvin. I am the business development manager at Crimson Pangolin and also founder of Street Kings. And to my right is... Uh, I'm Sean. I'm one half of Fluffy Monsters, which is a hazy IPA brand we brew in Shanghai. And uh, yeah, we try and sell our beer and get more people drinking locally, domestically brewed hazy IPAs. And, and to my right is... Uh -oh. oh, sorry, I'm Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I'm Daniel. I'm the other half of Fluffy Monsters, also Sean's brother. Uh, I uh, brew the beer uh, with a lot of consulting and help from the guy to my right, who is Neil. Thank you, Daniel, for that introduction. Uh, my name's Neil. I'm a brewer originally from the UK and I've uh, been brewing over in China for, for 10 years and happy to be here. So wow. Thanks, guys, Very for the cool. introduction. So, guys, first off, uh, what is Hazy IPA? So, Hazy IPA, um, basically you had West Coast IPA, which was a style that evolved from old English IPAs. IPAs are different from lagers, which are the most commercially drank beers, in that they tend to have more hops, which is a type of flour, which means more bitterness. Um, so this type of IPA started to gain popularity in the US West Coast, like end of the 80s through the 90s. Um, and what started off as being a kind of bitter beer eventually became more and more and more bitter. And somebody from the East Coast of the US went to study with a brewery in the West Coast and he started to apply these hopping techniques to the beers in the East Coast but basically where you have like the, the, my, my favorite way to explain it is you have cold brew coffee so if you know about cold brew coffee what happens with cold brew coffee by avoiding having heat you avoid all those like astringents uh, you, you get like a much smoother flavor uh, you get more aromatics kind of the same thing. With hazies, they're much more fruit forward, a uh, lot lower bitterness, and yeah, they would commonly be described as tropical, fruity, mango flavors. Daniel, would you? Yeah, um, our aim is uh, to try to get as much of the fruity flavors from the hops, and we're looking for stuff like mango, citrus grapefruit but like make the beer as smooth and as little bitterness that you can perceive as little bitterness as possible um make it as drinkable as possible that's that as far as the beer goes that's it uh we we play around a lot with different hops because a lot of hops come out every season like lime mango flavors white wine flavors so you've always got new stuff that you can just mess around with and then with the uh, fluffy monsters 
our main aim is to have fun with that beer and yeah that's uh we've 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 nice okay um, yeah, yeah yeah i mean yeah with these guys because they're making very sm they're smaller batches mm -hmm. so they can react to the market and then they can you know they can make different flavors every time so they can keep things interesting so yeah the idea is like you can do a different event and then be like hey guys we've got this flavor come over and see what people think and then you can get the the feedback and then once you get the feedback you can do something else and you can just play with it and at the same time in china it's still quite new craft beer yeah so it's at the same time as making these beers i mean these guys are also educators as well so they're going to go in like for example today you know some of the people listening may have not heard about ipa before and we can you know say this is ipa it originally comes from the uk but when it went to different parts of the world people had their own interpretations and then you end up with different styles of ipa like for example back in the day like um, we had like dark dark ipas like um cascadian ipas and there were actually black ipas and you can kind of see things come back into sort of like they become the hot new style yeah. and they will go out of style and then something new would come in um and one big thing now is people want what we call fresh hop ipas so what happens is usually when um, you take hops um, they go through a whole process and within that process they dry them and then it makes it easier to to send them around the world but you can actually um, take them fresh from the field and then you can just send them out to, to local breweries. So a lot of the hops that we're using are from what we call you know, from Yakima Valley. Okay. And that's up in Washington State. Yeah. Now, in the past, it wasn't possible to get these fresh hops and send them halfway around the world because there was no way of keeping them. But now what they do is they will they'll freeze them and then they can actually send them halfway around and they will be like cold stored all the way around. And then we can get them over here in, in China. And um, so I think that's going to be a lot of brewers will come up with these fresh hop IPAs and you're going to see those like hit the market probably in the next year or so and it has a because it's not being uh, processed it's a slightly different way of brewing and it can give different flavors that are coming through is it sure. when they freeze it is it like when you have like a frozen uh, fruit or whatever at the store you know like it's at the peak of freshness and then it's frozen so it's actually better sometimes than like if you get frozen raspberries for example whatever they say it's better than almost fresh raspberries because everything is there. It's like the tinned tomatoes for making pizza sauce. Like you get the Italian, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, like skinned. Yeah. This is an, an one side of another coin as well because uh, with the hops now, there's these different extraction technologies. So the, the, the type of hops that have been getting used traditionally in China are something called T90 pellets which is uh, extraction, I think it's like 90 pounds to a kilo or something, yeah, something, like, something like that. Yep. So that's, that's what the T90 means. <clears throat> but anyway, um, now you're starting to have these higher extractions uh, and then even getting liquid products. So again, kind of what, what, what it relates closest to is cannabis because hops are like a relation of cannabis so in the same way that now if you go to Washington State or whatever, you get dabs, right? Like the cannabis oil, that's the highest concentrated stuff. They're now starting to have these technologies, which again means hop profiles and flavors that you can never get in China are just starting to come into China. So for hazies specifically, where you're <coughs> utilizing, <coughs> where you're utilizing a lot of these hops, um, 
this is like still a totally new frontier. Like, so how how new are we talking? Is this something that like came about in the last year? The so? fresh hop thing right. is one and a half months ago. Oh wow! Oh, the, the, wow! The first, yeah. And to be to be fair, um, maybe a few months ago there were um, hops that were kind of the seeds were imported into China and then grown locally in Shanghai and Jinshan. Jinshan where I live and uh, they used those to make a fresh hop beer truly fresh like no frozen just like straight in uh, yeah so um, that was I would say the kind of the most kind of cutting edge it's, but at the same cool. time yes. It's about the land you grow on. I mean, it's like yeah. grapes and stuff. The the reason that like the best it's wines it's are yeah, yeah, it's the same principle. Well, it's so interesting because brewing beer is classically it's it's the first thing that made us like civilization, right? It was like farmers learned how to grow beer, then they kind of stayed in one place, and now you're having this new technology that's setting stuff all over the world to do like a time honored, old old school thing, which is really really interesting. China is so high tech with a lot of stuff that I'm sure you guys are seeing. Like you can see a result, post it on your social media, get feedback. People are like, oh, I love this one. And you're like, oh, this is, you know, what? It's a different world that you're living in, doing time honored old school techniques. I'm sure. With that said, like walk us through. You guys brew and distill in Shanghai, right? Or China, sorry. We brew right here in Shanghai and Minhang District. So. Walk us through like the steps of that, like for for the people that don't know anything about brewing beer. Um, so we get our malted barley. Um, when we're making a uh, New England, we we use uh, Marisotter, which is an English strain of barley, um, and we use that with oats and wheat. So we put quite a high percentage of oats and wheat, and that's it helps a lot with the body. It's kind of like making porridge where you get that kind of thicker body because of the oats and the malt is is very kind of it's it's not the highest priority you want good stuff but you basically want to keep it as light as possible and give a bit of kind of bready biscuity stuff and then on top of that you're just throwing tons of hops so most of your like if you were throwing hops in at the start of the boil you would get the bitterness which we, is what you want when you're doing like a west coast ipa but for what we're doing with new england's most of our hops go in at the end of the boil just as you're finishing it and the problem with this is you get lower efficiency so you have to use double or triple the amount of hops and then when you finish fermenting the beer when it's pretty much done you then add about three or four times more the amount of hops into the fermenter to get all that fruity aroma that you want people to yeah like I, I know a lot about like making whiskey i've been fortunate to travel like ireland and stuff like that just to see the the, the process mm. and is it i know beer is such a different process than than because whiskey is basically a wine mm-hmm. versus like a beer which is a lot of different spirits right or um, am i wrong okay, well, if you want to Take it down to the really basic level. So you have four main ingredients when you're making beer. You start with malt. Yeah. Right. So malt is your sugar source. Mm-hmm. And obviously you have to convert that sugar into alcohol. And that's what we do. So I like to think it, we look after mother nature. 
we let nature do everything. So what we do, we have to make this porridge that Daniel said. So we mix hot water and the malt together, and it has to be at a certain temperature, and that gives us the right type of sugars. And then what we do is, um, yeah, we make this porridge, and then we have to take it away to another vessel, which we call our brew kettle. And when we take it to the brew kettle, uh, we leave the malt behind, and we're just getting that pure sugar liquid. And once we've got that sugar liquid, if you didn't add something else to it and you wanted to turn that into alcohol later on, it would be too sweet. Yeah. So what we have to do, we have to have third in, well, the third ingredient after the water and the malt is the hops. So the hops, um, this, as Daniel was saying, there's lots of different hops out there, but the first lot of hops we add is to add bitterness to the beer. So when we eventually ferment the sugar out there's going to be a little bit of bitterness to balance it out otherwise it's going to be like a high energy malt drink or something like that it, it's it, you could only drink a little bit with it and then you would really they have that stuff in the u.s yeah. um, uh for a local malted no. <laughs> malt, malted malted liquor is that oh malt liquor yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 45 is yeah, like yeah, one yeah. of those malt liquors well like we had yeah a lot of that stuff like we had smeared off ice we've talked about Smirnoff Ice yeah, in every episode yeah, yeah. we've done so far <laughs> we grew up with Smirnoff Ice that was at Hogmanay which is New Scottish Year's. New Year's which it's better than the rest of the New Year's because it's more traditional everyone gets wrecked yes. so it's the same thing yeah. <laughs> so it's the same thing <laughs> yeah but but when you're a youngster your parents uh, and relatives and all that are in the house kind of getting wrecked themselves you go out to the the chest fridge or whatever and you find like there's a whole fridge at like Smirnoff Ices all the different well, colors we, we had this whole thing in the states where it was and probably when you were in college where it was like there was uh, Bacardi Breezer not Bacardi Breezer sorry Bacardi Cokes Jack Daniel Cokes but like they're before right. ready to drinks were popular like mm. maybe 15 years ago yeah, yeah. but they're all malt liquor they couldn't really be doing Jameson and ginger or whatever yeah. it was a weird thing it was all malt liquor drinks that were flavored so I do know what malt liquor is, and it's not always the not always the best thing, you know. Right. It's, yeah, you, yeah, it's a sugary, much, boozy drink. Sugar. Yeah. So, so yeah, you you boil that up, you boil this liquid up, um, and also sterilizes it because obviously when you're brewing, it's very easy to infect a beer. So if you have a beer that tastes like vinegar, at some point along the process, there's an infection going. So boiling it actually helps with it. Um, and then once it's boiled and we added the hops for the bitterness, as Daniel said, we can add a few towards the end of the boil and we get a little bit of aroma. But then what you need to do is you need to chill down the boiled liquid. So we put it through a thing called a heat exchanger and that takes cold um, liquid one way, cools down the beer almost instantaneously. That will go into the fermenter and the fermenter is just like a big metal pot. Um, and then when you add the yeast, it's the yeast that turns the sugar that we've made when we've been on the brew day and then turns it into alcohol and at that point they, depending on what type of beer you're going to make you could add a different yeast because over a period of time they've used different yeast for different beers and then um, we just follow that and as, as the, the sugar content goes down the alcohol con content goes up mm -hmm. and then we, we watch it and then we wait for the, the yeast to do all its work and, it, and then it's finished and then at that point you've got it's, the yeast is still in suspension so we have to we chill it to clear it and then we add CO2 to it and then we can put it in somebody else's grateful belly. So it's how long does like, the process take from like, start to finish? Minimal, Three weeks, okay. potentially yeah. for an ale. But if you're making a lager, lager comes from the German word to store. And then that needs an additional 
four weeks of maturation so usually we say about six weeks for a lager because it's a, a much more subtle flavor and it has to be cleaner right so oh, that's cool yeah i didn't know that um yeah so i mean obviously all of you guys have been in the scene for quite a while now uh, especially here in china as mm -hmm. well um you know we do have a lot of listeners that are overseas uh, could you guys kind of like break down the craft scene in Shanghai or in China like where it all started like instead of being these big companies like ABMBev and stuff like where the first group of people came in and how it started really you know going because now there's like a bunch of craft brewers around China I would say there's probably about two or three craft breweries per month opening up in right. China and now mm. it's gone from first tier cities second tier cities we're seeing fourth and fifth tier cities that will have their own so what was like the initial boom you know and were you guys here um, for the boom yeah no the big bang came in a was, little bit after probably a couple of years no I, I would say I would say well I mean I've been here for 10 11 years now and it's about definitely 13 14 Cat, years ago opened, yeah like, so that was Shanghai, yeah. Right. Mm, they yeah. were one of the first guys that did it. Um, and Master the, Gao kind of was. The like I'd say Master Gao came in with Boom, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how it really got off the ground originally, um, a lot of obviously a lot of expats coming in from overseas, they were used to drinking craft beer back home. They came over here and there wasn't really anything. They were just drinking Chengdao. It was like, well, how do we get hold of this? And then eventually. A lot of them start home brewing. The home brewing went really, really well, and then they were like, "Well, why not just do it ourselves if we if we can't find it anywhere else?" So yeah, um, I think it was probably Slobo were one of the the first guys yeah, Slobo to do that. Long old school, yeah. But I think um, the craft beer in China has a lot to be thankful for. A guy called Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. right. not the Michael Jordan so you guys. Are thinking I mean, of. if you're in yeah. Shanghai, you've obviously yeah, come right. across because he did boxing cap, and he was he was a, a well-respected brewer in America and then he came over here and he educated a lot of brewers and a lot of brewers basically went on the coattails of him because he was like this is what I'm doing he did a lot of the education he did a lot of the things and then made it easier for other people to come in it's like oh if you've been to Shanghai you've had this beer we're going to do this but we're going to do it in Guangzhou we're going to do this and, and everywhere else um, so there was yeah a mixture of home brewers that were looking for a place to get their own beer so ended up making themselves so and then and then once that movement started then it brought in other brewers that came in and was like oh this is an interesting scene when uh, for a lot of people it's yeah so it's an interesting scene to be in um because the brewers that are here now can we can see you know we can direct where the market's going we can be the educators as well and then it's 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 just nice to to go in and then you start to explain it to people and then you see a light pop off and it's like, ah, oh, that makes sense. And then, and, and that's, you know, if you've been brewing for a long time, it's nice to, it, it, seeing other people's passion or when they get it, it's actually really good for a brewery. You know what I mean? It makes what we do yeah. much more fun, I guess. Right. For sure. Cool. Yeah. So I think we have a special treat here today, right? It's pretty oh. much the first, First try, the first of try, it, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so we, because we mostly make hazies, uh, right in the mic. Get that in the mic. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh yes. Spill it all over, over Kelvin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so is it always served on the rocks or? 
No, that's <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know why I say that. I don't know why I say that. But yeah, like we make we make a lot of hazies. So we have this kind of thing where we want to make our session hazy, which is three point eight percent, as drinkable as our normal at six point five. And this one today is uh, we have a double at eight percent, but this one was taken off the the first part of the double, so it's ten percent. So these are like your heads and tails almost, right? Or is it a little pretty much with the double and the triple? This was like a heads and tails. It was the first run-ins. So we took the first three hundred liters, boiled it up, got the sugar as high as we could, and then. Uh, fermented it as normal, so we got a 10 percenter instead of an 8 percenter. It was still a bit rough, it's still pretty new, but it was still a bit rough, so Sean's idea was to put um, vanilla pods in it. Oh so, wow! Yeah, so I did a sous vide of vanilla pods, threw it into mm. the beer, and uh, yeah. You guys can't see at home, but we're all sniffing our beer yeah. right now. Yeah. Okay, so if, 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 if people are new to beer, and uh, they want to know all about IPAs, so a normal IPA usually comes in about 5.5% to 6.5%. And as we saw, we mm. say the, the sugar comes from the malt. So um, if you add more malt, you get more sugar, and hence then you, would, you can ferment it and make more alcohol. So if you see a double IPA, it's just basically there's more malt gone, in, gone inside, so it can be a stronger beer. I mean, what would you say, 7.5% on average for a double IPA, Sean? Yeah, a, a double IPA is going to be below... Uh, eight and a half. Sorry, a double IPA would be below eight and a half. And as then, a rule. and then, then you can go up to triple. Also, can be called imperial. As okay, well. that's what imperial is. It's yeah. triple. Okay. And then that's nine percent plus oh, usually. And actually, who are the, the guys that make the the quad? They make the special every year. The the the, the guys in Beijing. Uh, the dictator. Right? Is it dictator? Slowbot maker. Is it slowbot or is it great leap? It's Great Leap. It's Great Leap because Derek is yep. friend is a big fan. So and Great Leap is actually if you ever come it, they make a special every year and it's a very limited edition. They do it in the big bottles and they do like a quad, and that comes in usually about twelve percent plus. And what you do is you buy it Christmas one year, and the idea is you drink it the next year and then so forth. So you're supposed to keep it for a year to let oh, it mellow out. Oh, interesting. So yeah, if you've ever hear about that, it's yeah, give that, for your yeah, customers. Definitely you know give that a Cheers, guys. Yeah, this is Cheers. very good. Cheers. Cheers. Does it feel like 10%? Cheers. Title of your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of aromas do you, are you guys getting off this? I mean, obviously it's a, it's an audio, but you know, we could... I mean, yeah. I mean, for for me, IPAs are kind of... It's just interesting that you guys are Scottish. But like it, they are like Scott. Like Scotch. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go back to the aroma in a second with it. Like a lot of scotch, like if you like a lowland scotch, you know, it's going to be super peaty. If like a highland scotch, like I like a Balvenie or a Macallan, not very, not very heavy on the peat. And like, so some IPAs are super, super bitter and it's off-putting to me. It's not my taste and some aren't very, so if I was to say like this one, it's like a heathered, almost like highland. In terms yeah. of not the bitterness is not there for me. Mm-hmm. I'm still getting like, I get citrus, 100% citrus. Yeah. Uh, the vanilla pod, I think it's a good shout because... I would not have known. I would be like, what is that smell? I know what this is. Yeah. And then, you know, you get a really nice finish. It's still that long finish that you want. Like with any kind of like good spirit, you want a nice long finish versus a short. And then the viewers at home, um, the listeners at home, you can't tell this. Obviously, it's a hazy color. So it's opaque. 
But like this is definitely we're saying this is ten percent. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is what messes me up with with beers, because like we we had to pull all the ten percent anything over four or five percent we pulled from the restaurant because we had dads that were getting sloshed. You know, they take their kids out for like brunch on a Sunday, and then dad has no pants on, and he's like walking down Yuyalu. And we're like, oh, okay, sorry. You know, you're not you're not gonna come back here if you keep getting too hammered. So, for a ten percent, this is super smooth, which mm. is scary. I mean, obviously, we just had Jameson shots. It's yeah, it's you, top yeah. This is this is one of our aims. Is like, to be honest, to do the the high alcohol ones and make it easy drinking. It's not easy, mm-hmm. but doing like when we do the three point eight percent or but make people think that they're drinking like a full yeah, IPA yeah. and then they're like well what percentage is 3.8 and they're like what that's okay, like I'll have six yeah. more let's go yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 that's the big trick with their session um, there's there's a massive massive gap in the market because there's just this precedent of a hazy IPA will be 6% right and <clears throat> Session hazies, there's just really not many. I, I can't think of a Chinese brand doing one. Hot Fan has a session IPA, but I don't think it's is it a session hazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, um, but, but still, it's, it's very minimal. Right, people even attempting to do that. Yeah, and it's something that there's so many people. Quite rightly, they're like, well, I don't like drink something that's six seven percent when i'm going out for my lunch yeah exactly or like like it's a weekday night or whatever um so yeah trying to hit this i think goose island now are doing a a hazy session um but yeah it's it's something i think we were talking about before something that's going to be coming more and more prevalent in this coming year through 2023 is low alcohol beer for sure i'm certain so that's that's actually one of the things we do a lot on this podcast we talk about trends um Mm -hmm. in terms of right now like like you guys said there's so many new craft brewers coming up left and right uh but in terms of the beer itself what do you think is you know the biggest trend in like i again i don't know too much about beer um I talked about this with Sean a few months ago. Like, I noticed there's a lot of, like, Maha 9 does that unregulated IPA that literally tastes like a passion fruit. Like, it doesn't even taste like beer to me. It's very, very fruit forward. And I feel like that's, like, something that pops up a lot. Is is that something trendy right now? or I felt, I felt like I watched Neil so leave his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were no, talking about that. The, the past <laughs> year... The past year, fruited beers have become massive, and it got to a stage where people are putting like they're making eight percent, nine percent beers, and then diluting them down to like a six percent beer on fruit purity. So is that how it's done? Just yeah. Explain that like quite clearly, right? A beer is finished fermentation. Yeah. You have a beer, a finished product, and then you dilute it by thirty percent with fruit purity you mentioned the amount of sugar you're adding as right. well it's 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 not a brewers in china we 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 do have this moral thing we want to make good beer we have a perfect we we, we we do get quite we you know because we do it every day we get we get to the love of the craft but at the same time we also realize we have to give the customer what they want yeah 
So that's a part of when I come back to education is educating people about do you realize what you are physically drinking? Because I think a lot of people, if they realize what they were drinking, maybe they would think twice about what they're doing. And what I like about China in general, there's, there's obviously a lot of people before the pandemic, a lot of people either being educated so yeah a lot of people being educated outside and they were coming back and they tried these different beers in the states in the uk or whatever and so we are seeing the, um, the the knowledge base the understanding of what's being brewed so um or what's being drank elsewhere and we're trying to replicate that in china so it's a lot of the time we're trying to follow other trends uh, you know because we realize a lot of the time it comes a little bit after because People will go to some of the major yeah. beer centers, right? Um, so, I mean, how would you how would you say it? So, well, yeah, we're both educating and uh, forecasting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that yeah, the 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 fruited beer thing is already on its way out. I already see. Sorry, Rana. Calvin. No, I mean, I'm I'm watching Neil smile here as, as Sean <laughs> said that. <laughs> no, I, I mean, Maha Nine already, like, they've made their bones on doing these beers. Fair play to them. They were ahead of the curve. They saw this was a good thing to do because this has been going on in the US for a couple of years. Now it's kind of just become the mainstay. It's a joke. It's a running joke in the US. It's like the mainstay of stoners that want to drink these cans of type 2 diabetes inducing fruit sludge. Um, but Maha Nine got into that before anybody else, which is totally legitimate that they found a niche. Um, but even they now have got a really good established customer base. They're trying to change over to doing different styles of beers because they see this. <coughs> Sorry. I, I waited for you to say this though. <laughs> <laughs> Things in China, and I mean, especially you guys know this in Shanghai, they change rapidly. The turnover right. for what's of interest is faster than, arguably, than any other modern city. Um, so as Neil was talking about, yeah, the forecasting thing, I think we're actually kind of reaching a tipping point where China's going to be doing its own trend. It's going to be ahead of what's happening in the US. The US is kind of stalling. Um, the UK is just sitting on Hazies, they never really got into the fruited thing, and China's going to become its own market, which is really interesting. You're going to see trends start to develop within China. It's a um, super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cool market. Yeah. So is that term unregulated IPA? Is that like? That's oh, just the name for their. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People will so come up with terms to try and. I was about to say, is that because they pour? like slurry in there like <laughs> the thing is though also the other thing with if if that beer is not brewed correctly right you're basically adding sugar and if if it's a hazy there's still yeast in there i mean you you have people like exploding cans mm. in, oh, wow. in the states um and they literally say on the can you you need to keep this cold otherwise um so it, it, it's a style for a while sorry if you give me a, I will die on this hill if you give me a, a chance to speak about it I feel quite passionate about it I mean it works and, and you, you want to do it for customers but like Sh Sean was saying it's people have come out the other side because enough people are being educated and telling their friends this is this is how it brewed and um, yeah as, as Sean's saying yeah 
China is getting to the point where it feels confident. Um, there's a good knowledge base. There's a, a good level of people that can brew very well technically, and and that will potentially be the the, the next f phase um, within China, just using Chinese flavors like Jing A. One of the first people to start with that using because yeah. I mean, in China you we have our own fruits. And it's such it's such a big country that there's different produce around. So you could even get even more granular, you know, Sichuan using like Sichuan products. I think that will be yeah. something that brewers will feel confident enough, and a lot of these younger uh, breweries will have enough history behind them that we can say, okay, our next phase would be would would be doing our own stuff. I mean, I was talking with Daniel, um, and so Daniel lives slightly outside of um, Shanghai and we're near the orchards and another good thing for us to make something more Chinese would be to capture some wild yeasts and then play with these wild yeasts because then that would be a Chinese f a flavor not be a, another direction to go in there's the good thing about brewing you can use almost any ingredient in there but it gives you a lot of play around with what you what you can add over a period of time for sure. Yeah, China has a lot of really good produce. So you see like the guys and um, you see the guys in Yunnan that are using Buddha's hand. Yeah, uh, right. Which is completely unique. Uh, you see people playing about with ginger, uh, lemongrass. Galangang. Galangang, uh, local rice. And then you also see stuff like um, Fever Lab. Uh, and they exclude their, their local guys they exclusively do sour beers or barrel aged beers and the the stuff they're doing like with either wild yeasts or just local ingredients it's yeah it's, it's quite well tell us a little bit about your uh, brewing experiences here in in the middle kingdom like what have you guys seen that maybe a trend that you didn't know would blow up like the fruit beer thing that Kelvin is raving about but he's gushing <laughs> over the old point was I raving <laughs> but like I mean what is something you've seen like oh wow I didn't that's a flavor combination that's a, a thought or an idea that I want to um, tell people about okay so I mean there's a there was a whole Sichuan pepper thing uh, yeah. that came through who, who was who was I the main like, guy doing that I think Scott with Wild West had like the main has has what was it and called China, China White China White Wheat and a lot of people were using the mala peppercorn, but it was numbing. Like it was still numbing. Like a mala, like a yeah. It was if you were yeah. very cool. Yeah. 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 It sounds great, but then eventually you're drinking malatan. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Scott managed to get it to a point where it's just aromatic. Like you only have the flavour, mm. um, and it's not the the numbing mm. thing, which is really cool. Um, uh, last summer or the end of the summer there was the Dali Spice Beer Festival and they oh, had the something chili. like 20 or more breweries that all brewed a spicy beer whether it was chilies or the pepper the, the peppercorns the la peppercorn right very and cool yeah it was yeah it was a, it was this festival exclusively for spicy beers it was huh. amazing yeah a disclaimer by saying I love spicy food and I'm okay about beer but spicy beer can 
I, I cannot get behind chili flavored beer. It can like, work if you if you put it. I mean, one of the most popular beers I ever took. I took it to Shanghai for a festival back when um, Box and Cap were still independent. I did a chili chocolate stout and yeah, that ooh. thing. It's because a lot of the times um, brewers will take our inspiration from um, cooking. Yeah. So obviously right. Mexican cooking. That's a mole basically. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes it's not like a cheat code, but why not use influences from cooking because you know those two flavors to go together? And I think that's where a lot of brewers are going now. They're looking at Chinese dishes. How can we recreate them? Because was that the noodle one? Who's um, doing that? Uh, Which is kind of a cool one. Devil's Brewery in Wuhan did hot golden noodle. What was it called? Hot golden noodle, golden porter. I'm totally hot dry noodle. Hot, hot dry, dry noodle. noodle sorry, I'm not this. Yeah. So yeah. the rugam, yeah. yeah, yeah, the hot dry noodles oh, that wow. you have in Wuhan, yeah. and he made it into a golden porter. So like a, a kind of like a a dark beer flavor, but with like, but it was a golden color, and then. Uh, it had a little bit of chili. It had the peanuts, like eating the noodles. It had uh, kind of coffee flavors as well. It was like it was super yeah, I think we complex. Was, feels like you guys are kind of like Willy Wonka with the beer, because you know making chili noodles, like that kind of stuff is super super interesting. Versus like the hard liquor side, which doesn't have that much creativity, at least here. You know. I mean, we we kind of lucky. Um, so we have two different systems we can actually brew on. We actually have a 150 liter system. So w with that, we can we can play around basically. So it gives us an opportunity, and especially with um, the fluffy monster stuff, because we're doing they they're doing lots of different um, activities and stuff. You can just make purely a beer for one activity. So if they're if like you guys, if you're working with a particular company, um, like say if you're working with an, an ice cream company you there's discussions about that you know we can yeah. create a, a a beer for that i realized we, we forgot one the the one we did with chaba so we actually used the uh, white rabbit from shanghai and, <coughs> oh the candy and, so everybody yeah. at home it's not an actual animal no animals are harmed in the making of this beer i can, I can assure you white, white rabbit is like a very shanghai famous candy it's kind of everywhere it's like a milk candy yeah mm. yeah so um we worked, oh, shout out to these guys, Chaba. Chaba is a, a brewery down in Kaming, um, good friends of ours. So we wanted to do a collaboration, but get a taste of Yunnan, get a taste of Shanghai. So we said, let's use White Rabbit because that's something everybody knows, you know, from your childhood. It's nice yeah. to, to go back in the memory. And obviously Yunnan is quite famous for tea, but also for coffee. You can actually get really good coffee. So um, the guys from Chaba, they came up to Shanghai and we brewed on the small system. We made 300 liters of this. Um, what we do, we got flat white rabbit. Yeah. We tried to, you know, so it was a coffee mm. beer and then the flat white rabbit was some kind of residual sweetness and it was seven and a half percent and it went really, really quickly. It was a really mm. fun beer to make and play around with some Chinese flavors. That's really cool. I mean, that's, that's so interesting that you guys have the ability and the technical know-how to do these kind of like White rabbit, like who would think a white rabbit, like uh, white, like I mean, sorry, uh, what you call it, white rabbit, uh, 
No, not Katie. Extra white. Like it's like the coffee type. Flat white. Flat white. Sorry, flat white. Yeah. That's a Sean thing. That's uh, (laughs) coming up with stupid puns. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, one of uh, when we talk about Willy Wonka stuff, as you mentioned, Sean uh, came to me about a year ago and was like, "Let's make a deep fried Mars bar." Oh, that's very Scottish. That one was. Yeah. That one was delicious. And and was like make it and I'm just like <sighs> so many times does Sean come to you with these ideas and just like every week <laughs> that's cool though. that's fun though that's, that's the cool part of a good uh, partnership is you can bounce ideas off each other and have a fun time and then hopefully something sticks and you're like oh this yeah. is absolutely amazing but you know also your failures have to be like have you ever invented something in your mind you're like this is awesome and then like you know taking a wild swing like oh you know I missed it what, what, what that would what would that be? You, you mentioned something about mushrooms once, right? Uh, the mushroom... Well, okay. Can I give my... Okay, go for it. <laughs> okay, so Daniel um, wanted to make a mushroom beer, which sounds more out there than it is, because I've had mushroom beers from Spain. The mushrooms can work because it's primarily uh, umami flavor once it's mm. like extracted. Um, so... Daniel got like 10 different types of dried mushrooms and was like, okay, let's try this one, a little bit of this in water. Okay, how's this? And we'll try this. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. And he's like, yeah, what's the flavor from this? What's the flavor from this? And I was like, oh, it's been so technical. And then I went away and came back and Daniel was like, ah, I've just stuck them all in. (laughs) So things like that, these adjuncts, like the the, the the things that are uh, being added in post-fermentation coffee um, the extraction on that's super quick um, so the mushrooms had been in for a couple of days and I was there with Daniel and we tried it and he was like ah oh, it's not really there there's nothing really there and a day later we had people visiting the brewery and we tried it and it was cream of mushroom soup like it was so so strong Oh, wow, the mushroom nice. flavor was just Campbell's condensed cream of mushroom. It was undrinkable. So what I did is I threw it in a, a couple of wine barrels because it was yeah it was like about 500, 600 liters. So <laughs> a couple of wine barrels worth. Threw it in, left it for half a year. Tried it and it was just like the kind of wild bugs from the wine had like got into it and soured it up and it was amazing the bacteria from the wine right? yeah, yeah, yeah. not actual bugs yeah not like, not like yeah. not worms and stuff um, uh, yeah so it like I got the last laugh <laughs> <laughs> no but it was it was like the mad thing is I was so like proud of this beer I was like this has like transformed into a beautiful butterfly of a beer and uh, we sent it to Australia for the the the, the, the awards. awards. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. literally I think we sent eight beers and everything was awarded except this mushroom <laughs> sour. And I was just raging. And I think actually it was it was the first time I got a gold and she was like, Yeah, hey, hey, it's brilliant, brilliant and I was like, the the mushroom sour. I got nothing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't care about it. Literally, this is all my beer. I'm like, 
this one this is the beer and uh yeah but so much of this stuff is like you you sell it on the concept right so a deep fried mars bar beer it's not actually make deep fried mars bars and put them in a beer it's deconstruct right what does a mars bar consist of okay so chocolate nougat caramel okay so how are you going to bring caramel into it so it needs to come in on this end uh chocolate okay so cocoa nugget so almond um then okay if we want to include like raspberry ripple ice cream so we need vanilla we need raspberry so it's kind of deconstruct the thing reconstruct it within the beer that beer was good but even if it hadn't been good the milk stout base recipe that daniel came up with to make that beer is excellent and that base recipe has been able to be utilized elsewhere and that beer again kind of sold itself by virtue of its name yeah, I can imagine. I would even want to try it. You like have to at least have like one or a six pack for your friends or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, you know, going back a little bit, um, you guys mentioned that you guys do a lot of ha- hazy IPA. Ha- sorry, hazy IPA is like your main focus. Tell us a little more about Fluffy Monsters as a concept. I guess, like, what what other things do you guys do, or how did it get started? Uh, so basically, me and Daniel got somebody to agree to back us to create this new brand. Um, I had left the company that we were working for previously and had said to Daniel that we would start our own thing. Daniel had just had a kid and his wife's like, yeah, okay, sure. So <laughs> obviously, Show me the money. <laughs> yeah, we needed to have some sort of financial backers. So now got somebody by virtue of completely disagreeing with them about something else Um, but they asked for two concepts in a week so I had one concept already in my back pocket but I had to give two concepts Um, so I kind of uh, just wrote like uh, adjective noun, adjective noun, adjective noun, adjective noun for two or three hours and then it was like fluffy monsters and I was like got it like immediately it's just like okay yep that's like everything is kind of uh uh like of of the moment like culturally there's this whole resurgence of interest in like sesame street for example um so i think it kind of just happens to be like oh i right i see how that's going to look it's going to have like this and have like this since like we started planning it and stuff started to see these coffee shops where this coffee shop with a furry hand yeah appeared and then this other place is up i was talking to daniel neil about this <coughs> concept that we were coming up with a month later and then being utilized at trendy coffee shops on yongkanglu in shanghai the, the main coffee street of shanghai um so it's like okay well this whole idea is there it was just there you have these monsters that are like the the these villains in a saturday morning cartoon that have won um, and they torture these clouds because clouds are water and, and that's the main component of your beer and these monsters are proxies of different beer jobs so for each beer you could have a character like this one's the equivalent of the guy uh, like malting the grain and this one can be the guy that's going to be the QC and so on and so forth and just have these very vivid colourful uh, sort of are from uh, comic book illustrations um, 
and just this whole vibe to it where it should be not exclusionary it's not it's not being like highfalutin the beer is good of course the beer is going to be good but that should be the bare minimum it's like a restaurant that's saying come eat our food you won't shit ourselves like your beer should be good by default um and so besides that fun everything should be fun everything should be kind of irreverent and tongue-in-cheek not cool because we're both too old already to be cool so just have fun with it just be stupid and and silly and put glitter and beer on valentine's day and like just really <laughs> stupid and fun em- embrace it. it lean into it right exactly yeah, yeah. 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 I, ac- I actually remember when you like initially pitched me this concept sean messaged me and he was like have you heard of the new bar uh fluffy monsters they serve beer and all their taps have fur on it and all this and they have like fluffy monsters all over the bar and i was like that sounds cool let's go check it out he's like it doesn't exist i just made it up because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of had to be this litmus test that i was gonna i wanted to ask like a few people who like you know i want their opinions like yourself i was like because it'll be like the thing that will go and then do all this work and then someone will be like yeah that's like down fucking Xiang Yang Bei Lu like I was there yesterday and I'll go down and I'll see the exact thing either by fortune or by the fact that I've looked at the place and just been like that's a great idea right <laughs> like, so yeah no, it's been actually pretty cool to see it from the other side so I was already in place working in a brewery so these two Scottish lads turn up, hi, I'm Sean, hi, I'm Daniel. I was like, oh yeah, what's going on? It's like, <laughs> we've got this idea. <laughs> and uh, they, 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 they pitched up and honestly, it's been so much fun to see how they've taken something completely from scratch, have this idea, have this concept, believe it entirely. And Sean has the ideas on the other side for the marketing. And... I don't know how they do it. Obviously, they're brothers. There must be some kind of telekinesis that's going on or telepathy. Somebody has, they have the idea and then Daniel just makes it a concept and then he makes that into a beer and then he thinks about the ingredients to make it work and it's, yeah, it's it's actually quite a privilege to see these guys. That's great. Yeah, super work. cool. And, you know, for me, um, I, I'm kind of on a different end, uh, sort of like on, on production beer and they make, they make brewing fun again and you can you can see it and then and and you know there's definitely been a following people know i can go around shanghai and people have heard of fluffy monsters and they're actually making beer fun in in, in shanghai it's 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 been you know, it's been really really good to see how these guys have pretty you know i mean you guys started in september i would say yeah. the first brew yeah. and now we're well less than well, half a year later and you know, you're doing a podcast and you're talking about fluffy monsters. I mean, you guys should be pretty proud of what's, it, what's been going on. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I've probably had too much alcohol. <laughs> I'm feeling the love right now. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I believe in these guys because they believe in their concept and they're true to it. It's not doing it for the sake of doing it. They're not faking it because they want you to buy it. They believe in it. And, and I think that comes through with the beer they make. It, it comes through in, I mean, you guys have drank it. There's a lot of passion that's gone in. Yeah. into yeah. what they did well guys I think that's it right yeah there's nothing else we could say that was a, that was a great closer <laughs> that was awesome yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks for coming out guys thank you thank, guys thank, anything thank you, you want to add this episode will be out in a couple weeks so anything you want to add uh, anything going on um, any beers we should look forward to in March god we've 
we've got so much going on. We're going to have the official launch of a beer that's been out for almost three weeks, which is a collab called Fluffy Beast, which is a beer based on the concept of like a fluffy nutter sandwich, like marshmallow fluff peanut butter made into a big, sticky imperial stout. So we'll be launching that again, far too late. Uh, then we're going to be traveling to Kunming, hopefully with COVID. All okay, Kunming and Shenzhen. April will be going to uh, Chengdu and Xiamen. Xiamen. Um, and what else do we have? Any other collabs? Uh, oh, we're about to be a German chocolate or a Black Forest Gato type beer is literally about to be finished. This, yeah, this is a this is a Sean. This is a Sean production. Well, but we're about to, once we finish up here, we're going to go to a chocolate shop called Nebo, which is on uh, Nanjing Xilu, um, just just around from Malminglu. Um, and we're going to be picking up cocoa. So this stout is going to have Amarini cherry, vanilla, and cocoa. And sing oh, nice. single really nice. origin cocoa nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be very nice, yeah. So yeah, we're going to taste the cocoa and try and pick out the right. Well, guys, we'll, we'll definitely promote all this on our Instagram and everything. Uh, so we'll get pictures with beers, all the socials, and then, you know, make it a party. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, this is another episode of China on the Rocks. Uh, Kevin, play us out. <laughs>